uh, hey, it's great to be here. Great to be celebrating our God. We are launching a new sermon series today and really uh, basically a new year as we're kicking off. We're going to do an annual theme this year. All right. Don't do this a lot, but we're doing it this year. And uh, basically year long. Here's the theme. Gospel deep. All right. That's where we're going this year. We're going gospel deep. Okay. We're going to make sure that we look into every aspect of the almighty power of God and his great and glorious gospel. We're going to taste and see that the Lord is good. All right. That's where we're headed. We're going to make sure we get a whole view of the gospel. I have a quote here. I found this a couple of weeks ago. It's actually all over the internet. If you go look it up, uh, everybody's quoting it. And so now am I, here we go. Uh, the gospel is not the diving board. It's the pool. That's settled for a moment. The gospel is not the diving board. It's not the place you start to try to get into something. The gospel is the pool. It's the thing you're getting into for life, for eternity. See, all too often we think of the gospel and we're like, it's just how you get saved. Some past tense, one-time event, and then the rest of it is some other thing we're learning to live with our God. That's not it at all. The gospel, it's the yesterday of being saved. It's the today as I'm growing in him, as I'm growing to be more like him, as I'm being sanctified, the word would be in scripture. It's our tomorrow as we're going to be glorified for all eternity. The gospel is wrapped around everything we do. Everything we do. Uh, Everybody just say everything. Everything. That's how much the gospel impacts. All right. All right. And uh, really, Tim, you got some proof for that? Okay, here's a couple verses just to get us going. Ready? Ephesians 4, 32. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Gospel message of forgiveness teaches us how to forgive. Or here's another one. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Ephesians 5, 25. Husbands, love your wives Even as Christ loved the church, gospel message. And like that, so you now have a model, you have the power, you have the transformational ability to be able to now go in and love your spouse the way Christ loved the church. The gospel impact in every facet. How about this one? Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him. Not just start, but continue. Colossians 2, 6 and 7. Or Here's another one. Philippians 2. Let each of you look not to his own interest, but also... To the interests of others, have this mind among yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus. And then he goes through the whole description of Christ becoming man, sacrificing for us, humble sacrifice, death on the cross, resurrected from the dead, exalted above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father, the gospel Affecting every facet of our life as we learn to be humble as we learn to be sacrificial as we learn to be more like our king As we learn to be forgiving as we learn to be a leader in the home as we and the gospel touches everything in us And uh, we're going to look at going gospel deep this year. So hey, we've talked about the gospel before. What is it? Uh, Simply this uh, I have trampled on the glory of god I've stepped out and done my own thing. I've gone my own way. And the sin that I have gone after has said, it won't be about you. It's going to be about me. And trampled on his glory. And uh, But in the midst of that, then, we owe a penalty. Eternal separation from him. And uh, 
There's no way we can pay that penalty back ourselves. We're just separated. Christ says this though, but I love you and I'm reaching out to you and I'm offering for you forgiveness through my shed blood on the cross. My justice will be meted out on me. Just embrace who I am. Claim me as your king. Request me as your God. Lean on me and watch me cover your sin for eternity. Him for me. We say it that way, right? Three words. It's this simple. Him for me, right? So for you visual learners, right? Him for me. Go ahead and do it with me. Just point up. Him for me. That's the gospel message. Simply put, somebody's like, dude, what's it all about? I don't even understand the church. I don't understand Christianity. (laughs) And that's it. Like it's that simple. Jesus Christ. In my place, him for me. And you know what we're going to do this year is we're going to put some meat on those bones though. Okay. That's the truth of the gospel. Now we're going to put some serious meat on it. We're going to go deep. Uh, Not just deep. We're going gospel deep. Okay. We're going deep, meaning it is going to have a lot of impact. It's going to touch a lot of places. But let me tell you, we're not just going deep. We're going gospel deep. It touches every aspect of your life. That's where we're going. We're not going deep. We're going where? Don't forget it. That's where we're headed this year. Okay. So, uh, hey, turn with me to Romans chapter one, verse one. We're going to be walking through the book of Romans this year along the way, taking some stops at other times for Christmas and Easter and baptisms. And we got things played in, but we're going to be walking through this book. Gospel deep is where we're going. And uh, we got ushers coming forward. They've got some Bibles in their hands. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. They'll get one to you. Okay. Just raise your hand, they'll get one to you as we start out here in Romans chapter 1. All right, it's the beginning of a book, the beginning of a letter, and so uh, you can imagine uh, Paul, as he starts the letter, he's like, hey, I, I got to make clear what we're going after, right? And uh, let's get the whole point out. And so this first seven verses is really the big idea. It's like, so what's the gospel all about? Let's get our arms around the whole of it. Let's make sure we understand everything there is to understand from beginning to end on the big picture of the gospel, okay? So the first piece to grasp, point number one here, grasp your calling in Jesus Christ. Grasp your calling in Jesus Christ. Starts out in verse one. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Paul, this is the author of the letter, used to be called Saul. He, uh, Experienced a powerful conversion, Acts chapter 9. He ended up starting to be called Paul by Acts chapter 13. He was one of the massive church planters in the early movement, stood on Christ's side, a Pharisee, a man, a Jew, who absolutely got the Old Testament, now he gets the New. In fact, he's an author of a big chunk of the New, you know? And uh, Paul, it says he's a servant of Christ Jesus. Uh, This word literally means bond slave. Like... I have no rights. I have no privileges. I'm his. Jesus Christ's. Bond slave. Uh, This was a term that was used in the culture there. A lot of people, if they could not pay back their debt, their solution then was to basically sell themselves into slavery, if you want to use that word. It's a little different than the way we'd use the term slavery today. But they would basically say, I'm yours. And whatever you need done for the next number of years to pay off the debt I owe you. And I'm your bond slave. And Paul's like, I'm yours, Jesus. 
and whatever you need for eternity because of all you've done for me. And uh, I'm yours. Take me and use me. uh, Says Paul, servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. Called. Uh, Really? Called? Like uh, you got a phone call and... Like, really, you were called to be an apostle. Check this out. The answer is absolutely yes. Listen to this. Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Uh, but Saul, still breathing threats. By the way, Saul is Paul there, right? Hasn't changed his name yet. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, that means following Jesus Christ, men or women, He might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him and falling to the ground. He heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood Speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one, right? The calling of Paul. Yeah, it was powerful. It was effective. Christ is like, hey, Paul, knocks him off the horse, right? His glory knocks him down and he's laying on the ground and then he's like, Saul, Saul, why are you doing this? Right? And the guys are standing around going, do you hear something? Dude, who is talking? Are you throwing your voice? How are you doing that? Right? And they're looking back and forth at each other as the authority is brought down. You will serve me. And uh, the call of Saul becoming Paul. There's enough rhyme in that for you, huh? (laughs) And uh, listen, uh, Paul definitely was called to be an apostle. We have to be really careful. That word should not be thrown around lightly. An apostle. Uh, Simple question here. Ready? Just think. How many apostles were there? Got your number? Okay, what's your answer? How many were there? Somebody scream it out. 13, somebody said. Not a bad guess. 13. Anybody else got a guess? Did I hear somebody say four? Okay, 14 would be a correct answer if you're going to count everybody in. All right? So here's the deal. There were 12. Then Judas stepped down in a way. We won't talk about that much, but Matthias came in for him. That makes 13, and then Paul, 14. So there were 13 good apostles and one not, right? And uh, apostleship, Paul's like, I was called to be an apostle. Like, this is a rare beast. There's not many of them. And, and the guy who is an apostle, he has high authority in the church. He is speaking on behalf of God, and he is making things happen here as thus saith the Lord. Paul's like, I just want you to be clear. Yeah, God gave me that title. And I, well, hang on, Paul. I thought you were supposed to have to hang with Jesus to be an apostle. Uh, yeah, I hung with him. Acts chapter 9, did you read it? <laughs> Knocked me on the ground, man. Standing in the presence of the glory of Jesus and yeah, called to be an apostle. Paul absolutely has a high, high position of authority here. And uh, is this just unique? Does God just call one individual here or there and then the rest? He's like, I don't know. Do whatever. Is that what God's doing? Or, or where's he at with us? And I'll tell you, God definitely has a plan for you. Right? Ephesians chapter 2. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God had before planned 
that you might walk in them. Check that. From the beginning of time, he knows who you are. He's working with you. He's got plans for you. Yeah, God's got thoughts for where you can head. It may not be the same as, you know, the glory knocking you down, boot in the back, kicking you off the horse kind of thing. But you still are getting a sense of where God's leading you. And how do I know where God leads me? How do I know what he's taking me to? I just wrote this down. Four identifying marks of where you might be called. Four identifying marks of where you might be called. Number one, uh, what are your skills and gifts? Skills, you know, those talents you've had from birth. Things you can do just because you're you. And gifts, things that maybe came on after salvation. But what are those skills and gifts that you have? Passions would be number two, and they tie together. What are your passions? So, like, what do you care about? What fires you up? What do you do well? Putting those two together often directs where God wants you to go. God's not like, you know what? I made you to be able to work with children in the most awesome way, and I'm never going to put you near them. Like, that's not what he does. However he gifts you, however he designs you, he's going to be wanting to get you towards that end in the long run to serve in that place, all right? And so skills, gifts, uh, passions, number two. Number three, confirmation. Always a good idea to check with somebody you know. And you're like, hey, I'm thinking I was called to work with two-year-olds. And they're like, really? (laughs) You. And you're like, yeah, seriously. Dude, have you seen yourself with kids? Yeah? Yeah, don't go there. Tell them you shouldn't. Right? Those are good confirmation statements from a friend or a family member helping you out, right? Let's talk about where we are strong. Let's talk about where we are maybe a little weak. Let's go after where God's kind of sending us in the midst of it and, and see what he does. So skills, gifts, passions, confirmation, and then the last one, open doors. Uh, no, seriously, God's called me to this. I know there's no opportunity for it. I expect everything to change right now. And right, just hang on. Uh, there's timing on everything too. Look for open doors. All right. Just a great way to understand where God's kind of taking you on this journey. Uh, I've got to be honest. I'd be careful in using the word called when you start talking about roles that are more temporary. Paul was talking about apostleship, but it was never going to be taken away. So think of using that word when you're starting to talk about a lifelong thing you're in. Like called to be saved. That's a good one, right? And that's a word he uses. And think that way, all right? But be careful with the word. Let's not walk around being, you know, I was called to go eat at Burger King today. (laughs) Let's be careful with the temporary stuff, all right? But God does work with us and he does have plans with us. And it's not just Paul, okay? All right. It says, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Set apart for the gospel of God. Right? Can you hear it in the wording? Set apart for the gospel of God. Like, put over here to be able to be all about that, dedicated to that, set apart to. Now, one thing we can't tell when we're seeing it in the English is this is actually a play on words. Uh, in the original language, in the Greek, this word here is actually, I'm going to say the word. Tell me if you can hear what it sounds like, right? It goes like this. Phariso. Can you hear it? Phariso. Like, Pharisee. Right? He's like... I'm a Pharisee for the gospel of God. You hear what he's saying? Like I was a Pharisee following the Old Testament law and traditions. That's where I was. Yeah, Pharisee by title, capital P there. Fine. I'm now Pharisee for the gospel of God. I'm telling you this. I'm all in for his gospel, for his good news. And nothing's going to stop me. Set apart for that. That's where I stand now. Set apart for the gospel of God. 
That's something each of us can get hyped and passionate about and get after. And a bit of a play on words as Paul was an actual Pharisee with Old Testament and tradition, but also now set apart for God's good news of Jesus Christ. And I love that. Um, It's about being dedicated. It's about being committed. He says the gospel of God, not the gospel of man. Not something Paul made up. Seemed wise to me. Kind of a logical thing. I self-developed and not that. This is gospel of God. Told by God, this is the way it is. And I'm bringing it to you. It's a message from God to man. From God to man. And Paul's helping deliver, be a part of, and live in it. All right? Huge deal for us as we consider what our role is here on earth. Nothing should really be different minus the title apostle. Uh, I'm Jesus Christ's bond slave. I'm sold out for him. I'm set apart for his gospel. And I'm excited that it's all from him. Okay. Determined and focused in it. And uh, what's determination and dedication look like? Well, I thought, here's a good example. So uh, yesterday, uh, my wife ran a half Ironman. And uh, she's been prepping for this for a year. And uh, we have paid the piper in the house. So she's done the practice on this thing with long hours of of riding and running and all that stuff. So she did a half Ironman yesterday. Did y'all know it was like 192 yesterday? <laughs> was it hot or what? 105 heat index when we were standing out there. And uh, so what's a, what's a half Ironman? 1.2 mile swim, 56 mile bike, 13.1 mile run. Uh, that's what she was going after. And uh, so we as a family, uh, Megan and Alyssa and myself, we were standing at this uh, kind of a crossroad point where the biking comes down and goes a couple different directions. So we get to see her a bunch of times, cheer her on every time she stand, every time she comes by. So we're standing on the asphalt. Half Ironmans are hard. We're standing on the asphalt. Uh, no donuts. There's a half Ironman in honor of that. We did the no donut gig. So we're standing out there and we're just sweating. And at one point, my daughter looks at me and she goes, is it wrong that we complain about being hot? <laughs> we're just dripping with sweat. And, uh, and it's, here's the sad piece. It was like nine in the morning and this thing went till about one thirty or two in the afternoon. So we had a long day ahead of us. We weren't even near the high heat index yet. And uh, there was a point where we were standing there. John had zipped past. We were cheering her. Yeah, go John. And she zipped by and she turned and she went. A direction out this way she was supposed to be coming back and I knew how far it was I knew how fast she was going I'm like okay she should be here in about 25 minutes and uh, 20 minutes comes by and I'm like get ready 25 comes uh oh maybe she's slowing down a little guy comes up limping and his handlebar is broken and he's road rash the entire left side looked exactly like she did a month ago when she wiped stops and he goes I hit a pothole and it took me down I can't believe it and uh, I said, dude, do you need a ride back? You can jump in the back of the truck. I'll ride you over. He goes, no, I got somebody coming. Thanks. So he just sat with us there. And uh, another guy comes riding by. My wife's still not coming. And he comes by and he goes, hey, there's someone down on the bridge up there. And I'm like, oh, no. And as he's riding past, he, then he throws this in. She's not hurt. You should lead with that. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. She's not hurt, but she's got a flat. I'm like, oh, this has got to be her. She's so late. So I gave her another couple minutes. I look at the guy who's running the race. I'm like, dude, can I take my truck and get up there? I think it's my wife. He goes, go ahead. So I jump in the pickup, run over there. Sure enough, John had a flat and uh, wasn't able to get it fixed at that point. It looked like the race was going to be over. 
Uh, I'll just make a long story short there. We took about an hour and uh, found the right person and the right tool and uh, ended up getting that tire fixed. And we're now standing there back at the starting point, And I'm like, well, it's ready. Are you in? And she's like, I don't know. I'm not sure I'm going to do this. I said, come on, babe, let's do it. You're here. You're ready. It lets. <laughs> right, let's do this. So she jumps in. She's like, okay, let's do it. So she gets in the back of the truck and I zip her back to the place where we picked her up. And uh, she gets out. She gets all loaded up. She did. That means she was disqualified because she got off the course and got back on. But that's okay. She's going to finish. And she gets out there and takes off. And I mean, the next four hours unbelievable grueling the heat just starts rising and rising as she finishes up the 56 mile bike gets to go to the run now she's in the 13 point mile run and as she takes off you hear her feet going and all the family looks at each other and we're like lunch (laughs) we did we went to the air conditioning and we got some lunch and got back and we're sitting there waiting as she comes by we jump out of the truck we're like go jenna get back in the truck Turn the air up a little. And, uh, my air said 114 by the time it was done, the temp outside, uh, just sitting there. It was amazing what was going on. Uh, she did finish. Finished pretty strong, really, for the heat out there. There were about four people left there. They applauded. Now you got a lot more today. There you go. And, uh, hey, I'm just telling you, that's a good example of determination. Uh, when something knocks you down, don't stop. Uh, when the tough... Is hitting you and many of you are there right now when the tough is hitting you hang on get ready this is a moment to be able to press on set apart for his gospel like never before what's God calling you to how is he calling you to serve now lay into it with all you've got That he might be glorified. Nothing's going to stop you. No heat. No whatever coming. You're in with your king. May he be glorified. Amen? Amen. That's what it looks like. That's called to be saved. Simple question. So how's your determination? How you doing? You ready to hand it to him? Today. Say, okay, God. Right now. All the tough circumstances are yours. I'm in. I'm ready to run with you hard. May you be glorified. May you be glorified. Okay. That's the first point. Second. Grasp the riches of the gospel. Grasp the riches of the gospel. I love this next sequence as he starts to describe the gospel. Remember, he says, set apart for the gospel of God. Here he goes, verse 2, to explain it. Which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. And uh, I'll just keep reading for a moment. Concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power. Let me just say, uh, promised in the prophets. He's saying, look, I'm just telling you, this isn't a new plan. The gospel is something from the beginning he's had planned and the Old Testament speaks of it. And I just looked up this week, you know, they say there's probably close to 300 messianic prophecies. Uh, that are in the Old Testament. Here's 10. Pretty basic ones. Listen to this. Uh, He'll be born of a woman, Genesis 3.15, where it talks about the one born of a woman will bruise the head of the serpent. Uh, The first gospel message hope, there will be victory over Satan and sin. Uh, Number two, born in Bethlehem, Micah 5.2. 
Uh, born of a virgin, Isaiah 7:14. Uh, born in the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Genesis 12. God with us, Isaiah 7:14 again. That's a huge one. That he'll be Emmanuel, God with us. God becoming man. Fully God, fully man, what a hope. Uh, number six, that he'll be the son of God. That wasn't just some phrase they made up when they got to the New Testament. They're like, what do we call Jesus? And somebody came up with that. Psalm 2, 7. The son of God. That he would speak in parables. Psalm 78, 2 through 4. That he'd be mocked, ridiculed. His hands and feet would be pierced. His clothes would be gambled over. Psalm 22. That no bones would be broken. Psalm 34, verse 20. And then the 10th one here, that he would be a sacrifice for our sins. Isaiah 53, 5 through 12. Wow. That's the gospel message captured in the Old Testament. Can you believe that? Born of a woman, born in Bethlehem, born of a virgin, born of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God with us, son of God, that he would speak in parables. He'd be mocked, ridiculed, and crucified. His clothes would be gambled over. No bones would be broken. He'd be sacrificed for our sins. He would rise again from the dead. He would conquer all. His name above every name. That is our God Almighty, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Old Testament truth. New Testament king. That's what we have going on. He says, which he promised beforehand through his prophets. Paul's like, please, this is not some new thing I brought. Hear it in the scripture. Concerning his son, the son of God, right? Concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, And was declared to be, I love this part, the son of God in power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. He was declared to be the son of God. Not, hey, this is my son. Not that. We got one of those, right? This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. But way more than that. We got the, my son, the son of God. How do you know? Because death will not hold him down. Because sin will be conquered. Because nothing rules over him. He rules over everything. Because in all authority and all power, he stands above every single thing. And his name, the Son of God, would be lifted up. The power of our King as he comes out of the tomb. That's the big deal with celebrating Easter. That's the big deal with the gospel. We don't have a God who died for us. We got a God who conquered death and sin for us. Amen? That's our hope. Jesus Christ, the son of God name. He says right after it, Jesus Christ, our Lord. I love this. Uh, You might want to do this sometime. Just take a look at how many times the name of Jesus is used where it's just Jesus. When somebody's talking to him, it's not a lot, Uh, especially when you get into the epistles. Uh, He starts pumping how awesome he is in title. Jesus Christ the Messiah, the Holy One that we've been waiting for from Old Testament promise till now, Christ, our Lord. You're in charge, and I'll follow you through anything. You're my God, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He says, by the way, the gospel isn't just valuable for salvation yesterday. The gospel is valuable each and every day. Verse 5, through whom we have received grace and apostleship, To bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. Through whom we have received grace and apostleship. Like he's given us something we don't deserve. The opportunity to help build and be a part of something. What is it? Being obedient 
in faith. He says the obedience of faith. Man, we better grasp this. The point of Romans, and this is a beautiful statement. It's a book ending in Romans. It's in Romans 1 and it closes Romans 16. He says, hear me on this. It will be about the son of God and knowing him and being blown away by him. We will in obedience of faith move towards him. We will respond with him obedience. And in the end, his name will be glorified. That's the plan of Romans. Jesus Christ, son of God, us obedient, his name lifted up. Really? That's the bookend, Tim? Are you sure? Yeah, check it out. Romans 16, verses 26 and 27. It says, now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. Listen to this now. Disclosed through the prophetic writings that has been made known to all nations. Did we not just cover that? Written in the Old Testament to bring about the obedience of faith. We just talked about that. To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. That's chapter 16. And this is chapter 1. It is all about Jesus Christ. Son of God in all authority and power. It is all about us then being obedient in faith to him. And then his name being lifted up and glorified. Man, if we start saying that the gospel is somehow about what we know or believe... And it somehow gets separated from what we obey and walk in. We're missing it. And uh, listen to me. A faith that saves. Well, it is a faith that changes us. That's the whole point. He is transforming our heart to be obedient to him and follow him. There will be an obedience. It's not perfection. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say there's a demanded immediate 100% perfection. Instead, it says there will be progress made. And uh, that's the Christian walk. Not perfection, but progress. And make sure you grasp that. And man, in all of Romans, in its deep theology, let's not get lost in knowing things. Let's make sure it always calls us back to an obedience and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? It's plans from eternity past of an awesome Jesus, a killer gospel, and it brings obedience in our life. That's what we're talking about. All too often we hear these stories and we're like, yeah, yeah, gospel. I know. And uh, let's be careful, okay? So, uh, good analogy for it. Back in February, I had surgery. Many of you know that. Some of you are new here. You're like, really? You had surgery? So I had a tumor removed. Uh, I had a tumor on my pituitary, and, and I was crushing the pituitary. I was losing hormones like crazy. I was dropping in energy. And so we had the tumor removed. Well, let me tell you, when they go in to take the tumor out, up through the nose and back through the wall and all that, uh, you end up losing... Uh, your sense of smell and taste. And uh, they said, ah, it can come back anywhere from a couple of months to a year or maybe never. And uh, we'll see what happens. And so for the first couple of months, I had no taste whatsoever. And uh, honestly, I'd kind of forgotten it because, you know, your head's killing you. You just had surgery, right? And so when you're eating, the first thing you're not thinking about is the taste. You're just like, you can barely eat anything anyway. And so I'm eating it. And all of a sudden it dawned on me like four or five days after being at home. I can't taste a thing. I I can't taste anything. I went and grabbed the best foods I could think of. Yes, they had chocolate in them. And I'm chewing and I'm like, nothing. I got nothing, man. And I'm tasting more and more. I had to start eating for texture. That's a lame day. When you're eating for texture, I'm telling you this. I'm sitting there chewing and I'm like, hmm, that was kind of chewy. Oh, that was a little more tough. 
I could chew on that a little more. Oh, that was very soft and mushy. Those were fun days. Uh, being able to describe the texture and everybody in the, at the kitchen table is like, really, can you just not share that anymore? Yeah. <laughs> we're good not here. And that, so it got to a point where I'm eating for texture alone. The one question I got all the time. So you're eating healthy now? I mean, if it doesn't taste. No, no, I wasn't. <laughs> no, I wasn't doing that. But, but I was eating, trying to eat for the texture and enjoy something along the way. And, and I'll tell you, uh, all of a sudden it started coming back a little salty first. And then some of the bitter, I don't even know what they officially call that, but it started like if you take a tea, you could really, that bitter side would really start pounding through. So I'm getting a lot of bitter and a lot of salt, still no sweet. You know what I mean? So I'm sitting at like Chili's and I got a tea and I'm taking the sweet and low and I'm like, I put four or five bags in, it's like grit, you know? And you're sucking, you're like, nothing, still can't taste it. And uh, so I'm going along like that for probably another month or so. And uh, I will never forget the day when my daughter handed me a clementine orange. And I was like, seriously, you want me to taste this? I can't even. She's like, just eat it. Just eat it with me, dad. So I'm sitting there at the kitchen table with her. And I put that in and I bit down. And it was unbelievable. The explosion of flavor, the overpowering. You're like, oh, it almost stopped me. I stood up. I'm like, I can taste it. And uh, high-fiving at the table and, and uh, took one more. I was like, it's almost too strong now. I can't get used to it. And I had to ease back in. And I'm telling you, bringing back taste was such an experience. And uh, question, have you lost your taste for the gospel? It's time to bring it back. I mean, roaring back. It's time for us to understand the facets of the gospel that we may have forgotten. It's time for us to dig deep into what we don't understand and things maybe we did understand. And maybe you're like, I never even had a taste for it. I don't understand it at all. Now is the time to be digging into the greatness of our Jesus Christ and worshiping him with all we've got. Maybe you've lost that taste in just one aspect. Maybe it's in many. It's time for us to now taste, I just wrote this, taste all of the gospel, every depth, every sacrifice, every purpose, every cost, every privilege, every power, every promise, every hope, every God-glorifying moment. It's time for me when I hear of the gospel to stop and take notice, God, may I worship you because of how great you are, the sacrifice that you've made for me. Lord, bring this taste roaring back in my life right now. That's got to be our prayer. Here's my request. Just take a moment right here and let God know you're in. This is going to be a journey. And I'm telling you, if we're bringing the gospel up big and strong, there will be resistance. Satan will be standing up. There will be forces against. There will be distractions that come. Lord, I'm ready to be determined. To taste and see that you're good. Just take a moment and let him know that right now, will you? If you're in, let him know. Yeah. Lord, we love your gospel. The good news of hope in you. We celebrate you and we worship you. Give us a taste like never before of who you are and the grandeur and the glory of your gospel. In your name we pray, man. All right.
So that's grasping our calling. That's grasping the gospel. Third, grasp the love and the security in your God. Grasp the love and the security in your God. I love this. At the end here, we talked about him bringing glory to all the nations. Now he says, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. To all those in Rome who are loved and called to be saints. God's work. Loved. Like he's pouring it on. He cares so much for you. We talked about it a couple weeks ago with the father as the prodigal son comes home and he's throwing his arms around and pulling him in close and making him his son at home. Him and his love for us. All too often we start talking about salvation and we immediately start talking about what we're doing. How we're accomplishing. And all of a sudden our works are not a thank you for all that he's doing, but they become an earning. God, you owe me. And uh, hear me, he's not saying to all those in Rome who earned it. Right? It's to all those in Rome who were loved. God pouring it on in the midst of your not receiving it because of you, but because of him and his greatness and who are called to be saints. Again, God's work, calling them to be saints. That's right. God drawing us. And a couple verses for it, I'll just throw out John 6, 44. It says, whom the father draws will come. That's what calling is. It's when he's drawing us. Or Romans 8, 30, it says, whom he predestined, them he also called. And whom he called, he justified. And whom he justifies, he glorifies. It's a guarantee. It's a chain that cannot be broken. There is no arguing your way out of it. Whom he predestined, he called. And all the way end to glorified. The end. It's a locked up guarantee. There's security in knowing our king. That's the grandeur of the gospel. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. John 10, 28. Hope in him. Hope in his love. Hope in his power. Hope in his security. As he makes sure what he has planned comes through. He says in the end, grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace, the end result of our God at work, grace and peace, Uh, you getting what you don't deserve grace, you being completely at ease, regardless of the circumstance, peace, Let that settle, no matter what's going on, peace. Because you're handing it over to him in thankful prayer and trusting and waiting on him. It doesn't mean there won't be tears. It doesn't mean there won't be tough struggles. But it does mean this. In the midst of every tear and every struggle, you know who's in charge. Your God's got this under control. And you're leaning on him. Peace in the midst. The gospel at work. I'm telling you this. Each and every one of you. You've got things going on in your life. And some of you, I know exactly what's going on. And others, I have no clue what's going on. But I know this. Our God has a great promise of love and calling and grace and peace. And an unbelievable tasting of him that will rock your world. And you will never forget how awesome that moment is when that facet 
of his character, when that glorious piece of his gospel crashes into your moment and becomes ever more real, that's what we're looking for this year. We're not going deep. We're going gospel deep. All right? The power of him at work in our lives, maybe like never before. Grasping the love and the security of our God. Let me just say this. We're going to put our arms around it. One big thing. We're starting into the book of Romans. This first series is called um, Gospel Deep. It's his glory being trampled. His glory being trampled. It's all about us going our own way. By the way, that's when you lose a taste for the gospel. It's all about me going my direction. I have no clue what you're about right now. And the next couple of chapters in Romans deliver up what it looks like. It defines the need. But hear me, I don't like going this way. I don't like talking about the gospel messages defined as man's need, man's fix, right? It's so man-centered. We're going God-centered. It is God's glory being stepped on. That's the problem. And God will make things right. And his glorious gospel absolutely setting things straight. So the first series we're in, his glory trampled. The second series we're going to be in, his glory restored. The third series we're in is his glory experienced as we're saved and living with him, Romans 6, 7, and 8. His glory elevated, Romans 9, 10, and 11. His glory on fire as we live it out, Romans 12 through 16. I'm telling you, his glory at work in this place. May we be stunned with the greatness of our God. And it starts right now with you and me saying, okay, Lord, what sin, what selfishness, what bad attitude, what wrong idols all need to be set aside that you might be worshiped. And we hand it over to our God, grasping our call, grasping our King and his gospel. And grasping the security and love in him. Let's pray.